We've all heard it before. It's who you know. Welcome to Social Capital, a weekly podcast that dives into social relationships and why the investment you put into them is so important. Your host, Lori Hybe, will connect with industry-leading professionals and dive into their networking experiences and expert advice. Hey, everybody. Lori Hybe here. Welcome to the Social Capital Podcast. Our show notes are found at socialcapitalpodcast.com. If you'd like to get more involved in the conversation, join our Facebook group at Social Capital Network, a community of trust, reciprocity, and relationships. However, LinkedIn is the channel that you're going to find me on. I'm going to, I'm fairly active on there. I post pretty much every single day. So make sure if you haven't connected with me already, send a note with your connection request that references that you heard me on this show. Social Capital is sponsored by Keystone Click. We are a strategic digital marketing agency hosting bi-weekly educational webinars. You can check out more by visiting keystoneclick.com forward slash webinars. Today's guest is Ashley May Fernandez. Ashley May is an ex-corporate marketing executive for a $4 billion company turned online marketing consultant who has helped hundreds of six, seven, and eight-figure online entrepreneurs create customer-centric marketing and sales strategies. As a certified NLP practitioner, Ashley May believes the power of marketing is to teach your ideal clients how to think, not tell them what to do using a combination of psychographics and human behavior in your brand messaging. Ashley May, welcome to the show. Ah, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I am excited for you to be here, not only because marketing is definitely the space that I love talking about, but I'm really um, fascinated with NLP in general. I think it, it's it's a fantastic space to be, and I've been really kind of self-studying that uh, a little bit over the last year or so. So we're going to have a great conversation today. Yes, yeah, so excited. Uh, let's dive into it. Um, Ashley May, what is the number one mistake you see when it comes to messaging? Ooh, okay. Um, it's kind of hard to narrow it down to one. Um, but what I really see a lot with, you know, specifically with clients that I've worked with is a lot of the times people will create content that doesn't really reflect their ideal client. I know that sounds like super basic and super simple, but what I mean by that, and one of the biggest things that I've found, especially through um, my NLP training, and um, I'm a certified hypnotherapist as well. And so really, you know, working with all of these clients, the one thing that I've found that was so transformational um, was that your mindset is a reflection, or I mean, your messaging and marketing is a reflection of your mindset. And so a lot of the times I see when it comes to messaging, people will try to be attracting, they'll, they'll try to create messaging that attracts a certain type of client, but their mindset does not match the client they're trying to attract. And I'll give you a really quick example. Um, a lot of the times when I read content, I can see where that person's mindset is coming from. And what they were thinking in the moment they created that content or they created that message and why they were bringing in a certain type of person that they were bringing in. Um, one of the examples I really like to use is uh, one of my clients, she is a physical therapist that specializes in concussion recovery. And um, she is phenomenal and amazing at what she does. And when the pandemic hit, she turned it to an online business. She created this membership program for um, patients who have had concussions. 
And she is very out of the box, um, very different from the industry norms, which is the people I love to work with. Um, and so she was, she created this webinar to promote this new membership that she had. And she had almost 3,600 people sign up for this webinar. And she had a very great ROI conversion. But when she got the clients into the program, she started to realize that a lot of them were in a victim mentality mode and they felt very defeated. They felt like they were helpless. And when we started digging into her messaging, um, one of the things that she was saying in the webinar was, I'm going to help you navigate your concussion systems. And when I asked her, I said, why did you specifically choose, I'm going to help you navigate your concussion systems? And she said, well, because when I created this, I was, I felt very helpless because my brick and mortar, you know, with the pandemic, I had to shut it down. So I went from making all of this money to having to shut down my practice. And so she was in this mentality of like, I'm helpless. I have to do something. It was this, this, I don't know how to navigate my life now. And so she used that word. And what she found was the people who came into that program came in looking for her to solve their problem. They didn't take responsibility of their own um, recovery. They didn't take responsibility of their own actions. They were basically creating a codependent relationship on her. And because she felt helpless, she was turning around and bending over to their every need and jumping in and doing more and doing all these things because again, she set that container. And so when we went in and we restructured her messaging, we legit only changed the title of the webinar. And the title of the webinar the second time she launched was um, Regain Control of Your Life After a Concussion. And it was night and day. And the reason why, you know, using even the word regain um, on a psychological level, it makes you think like, oh, something was taken from me and it's my responsibility to get it back. And when you have that, it wasn't like, oh, she's going to help me. It's, oh, she's going to guide me. She's the one, she's not going to save me. She's going to guide me. And they took responsibility. So the second, the second round, she had about, I think, 200 new members come in the second round. And she was saying that the atmosphere, the environment, the energy, everything was night and day because all of these people who came in the second round came in with, I am ready to do this. I'm determined. I'm ready to get back on track. And so that was a really long explanation, um, but I love using examples and I think examples are the best way to describe it. But that is one of the biggest mistakes I see is that, um, you know, when people are creating that messaging, it is a reflection of their mindset and their mindset is not in the, the correct place to be able to attract the ideal client that they want. Well, that's really interesting. I love the example. So thank you for sharing that. Um, and I never connected the two as far as messaging and mindset, but I totally, it makes sense. A hundred percent makes sense. Yeah. Um, the thing that really stood out to me in, in the story that you shared um, is something that I speak to a lot is, is the title, the title mm -hmm. at the end of the day, the headline, whatever it is, that's, what's ultimately going to capture the attention of someone. And, um, that messaging is so critical and really understanding how it's going to connect and resonate with your ideal audience, uh, requires a lot of time and energy to get it right and craft it. And I love that you did some Absolutely. testing, AB testing to really determine 
is the right message being portrayed to attract the right type of customer? Absolutely. And, and you know, that is very, very important. And it is the first step. That title is the first step. But, you know, what I teach with my clients and how I work is that not only do you have to come at it from your own mindset perspective, but also what is the mindset of your ideal client? And um, I'm very unique in that when it comes to marketing and messaging. Um, I don't know anyone else who uses like, you know, CBT or NLP um, sleight of mouth techniques to really actually dig into the psychographics of the ideal client um, and what they're thinking and, you know, going through, um, you know, our thoughts, our thoughts create everything. Our thoughts, you know, a circumstance will happen, a situation will happen. And it'll be completely neutral until you have a thought about it. Then those thoughts will drive our emotions. And then those emotions will drive our actions. And then those actions will get us our results. And your results will always prove your thought right. Mm -hmm. And so that's the thing. And knowing that um, and going in with that lens, it is just night and day. And all the clarity that comes along with messaging in that is just like, it's just night and day. It's, it's yeah. amazing. It's game changer. What is something in your industry you don't agree with? <laughs> um, there's a lot. Uh, I, you know, have kind of built my entire brand around being disruptive in the energy, I mean, in the um, industry. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, one of the biggest things, which is very controversial, um, but I do not agree that people have to know, like, and trust you before they buy from you. Um, and I'll explain that really quick, but, um, you know, that's one. Another is you don't need to create how-to content. <laughs> um, I think a lot of the times, you know, we get stuck in that how-to content and um, we are only going to attract someone with a DIY mindset when we do that. Um, I also don't really agree that serving is selling. Um, and I'll, I'll explain that one too, but we'll go back to the first one. Um, I don't feel like people have to know, like, and trust you before they buy from you. There has to be some type of um, trust there, but they don't have to fully know you. Um, and I love to use the example of, let's say um, you really want a new washer and dryer and you're aware that you need a new washer and dryer. You're aware of the problem. If you go to, let's say Home Depot and the salesperson who is going to sell you the washer and dryer, if they come up, with, come up to you and ask you, do you need any help? You're not going to say, well, let me get to know this person. I need to know about his family and I need to know about, you know, all the stuff he's done in his life. You know, um, I don't even really need to like him. I just need my problem solved. Right. Like I don't need to, you know, really um, like like what he stands for or whatever. I just need to know that I just need to trust. I think trust is probably just the biggest one. I need to trust that he is going to be capable of helping me solve the problem that I need solved. And so I think um, a lot of the times we get stuck in that no like, and trust. And so we end up creating content, creating messaging online, trying to get people to know us and like us um, and to seek approval versus actually showing up to serve. Um, and I know it's a little controversial, but you know, when I start to talk about this and I explain it, people are like, oh my gosh, that, that makes a ton of sense because even on the flip side, I have known someone and I've liked them a lot and I trusted them, but then I worked with them and they still didn't solve the problem that I needed solved. Mm -hmm. Right. But I, and I kind of only worked with them because, oh, I really like them and I really know them. And, you know, but they, they weren't the best equipped to help me solve the problem. 
that I needed to. I, needed I'm gonna to get I'm gonna disagree with you, and I. <laughs> it's okay. Um, I, I'm sure. I'm sure you're. I'm not the only one that's challenged you on this. Um, Absolutely. I can understand what you're saying, but the 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 story in the, that you illustrated with like going in and buying the washer, the knowing and the liking is the brand. It's not necessarily the salesperson, and that and there's a level of like you mentioned Home Depot, people know that brand, you know, as opposed to just going into some random mom and pop shop that for the first time they never heard of. I mean, there's a level of trust that needs to be established there. But I also think that it is a little bit different. Um, I mean, consumer products versus that B2B relationship. I think there's a different level of how important the know, like, and trust is. Um, so well, I think there's um, a balance of disagreeing and like, yes, there's areas, trust is always going to be a factor in any sales relationship. Um, but I would say it's somewhat dependent on the situation. I totally hear where you're coming from too. I actually love to say, I think the best agreements are disagreements. Yep. Sure. <laughs> Which I love. Um, but yeah, and I totally get it, but I think, um, that I think a lot of people put way too much weight on it. I think it's one of the things that is preached so much in the industry and people get really stuck in the, they just have to know me and they just have to like me um, versus really people buy more on trust and trusting that you're going to be the person to solve their problem. Sure. And I have, you know, I've seen this with me. I've seen this with all my clients. I haven't been on a sales call in over two and a half years and I sell high ticket offers all the time. Like I only have high ticket offers and I've had someone legit join a Facebook group, see one of my posts and immediately buy from me mm -hmm. because they immediately saw me. Oh, she's actually an expert in her industry. She's actually saying something that's different. And because she's saying something that's different and she's not so worried about, you know, seeking approval or having someone know her or like her, She's actually showing up and saying, no, this is the problem you have. Here's how I can solve it. And it's, it's, and my clients have, have mirrored that too. And so I'm not saying that it's not important at all. Right. I mean, it's not important. It's not that it's not important at all, but I think it's, it's a level of emphasis. I would agree yes. with that. I would agree with yes. that. Um, I would say that it is something that is still, and I'm sure we could go really deep into this, but there's a lot of other <laughs> things to cover, <laughs> but I am really fascinated with, with your, your stance on it. Um, yeah, there, yeah, I, I think there's, I would agree that there's a lot of weight put on it, but I also think it's important to illustrate that for those that are in the early stages of understanding how to position themselves online. Yes. It's a good starting point say, to, to say, this is where you need to get us, how you get established. I think the, I think the, the phrase I like better or that I use is they need to um, be seen, heard and understood. I think coming it from it, from that standpoint, puts it on them instead of they need to know, like, and trust you makes it a very selfish thing, right? Like you're almost creating content of like, they need to know me they need to like me versus I need to make them feel seen, heard and understood. Does that make sense? Yes. I mean, there's the okay. acronym that Google really pushes as far as, you know, one of the, how you can get positioned in their search engines and it's eat and it's expertise, authority and trust. So trust is still yes. a component there. And that's really a different position with I think a I like similar eat. concept. Yes. <laughs> I think I like eat a whole lot better. So yeah, yes. that is, that is my whole thing is that I think a lot of people come at it with a, I need to seek approval and I need to um, make it all about me versus 
I really truly, um, I'm there to serve. And, you know, that goes into the, the third thing that I said is I don't actually agree that serving is selling. And the reason why I don't agree with that is because a lot of the times, especially for newer, for newer entrepreneurs in the beginning stages, is that they're just told, you know, serving is selling, serving is selling, go out and serve, serve, serve. But when you go with that mindset of serving is selling, they tend to build kind of fake relationships, right? They're, you know, they're only connecting with you because they feel like you're going to be a potential client. And it, um, it creates this feeling of, well, um, I have to almost pretend I'm serving, but my agenda is to really get them to buy from me versus serving is not selfish, right? Like serving is just to literally serve and not expect anything in return. And so I don't really love the phrase serving, serving is selling, because I think in a lot of people's minds, they start to approach serving with an agenda and I'm not saying that if you show up and serve that it won't eventually lead to a sale. Like, I don't, I don't think that, but I think your intention behind serving shouldn't be with an agenda, if that makes sense. Yes. I think it should come from the heart and not yes. uh, um, something that you have an alternative modem associated with it. Yeah. I think in the way that it's, it's shouted in the industry, the way it's serving is selling, I think it really does confuse a lot of people because they don't really actually learn what true service is. Um, and so they do go into it with that agenda. So yeah, that's another thing I don't really agree with in the industry. And I talk quite a bit, a lot, uh, quite a bit about. I would agree with that. And um, there's a level that I think people abuse that in how they position Absolutely. themselves and, and say that that's what like they're, there's, I don't know exactly. It's not coming to me, but they, they position <laughs> themselves as like their service, they're, they're, they're serving um, entrepreneur or whatever, you know, like that's what they do is they serve. But I, and I, I don't know if that is the right way to position themselves, but at the same time, it goes back to your first, topic about making sure that your messaging aligns with that audience that you want to connect with. So yeah. maybe the messaging does connect with that type of person, but I think it is overused. Yes, absolutely. What do you think is the one uncommon thing seven and eight figure business owners have that others don't? Oh, okay. So one of the most uncommon things that seven and eight figure business owners have, or what I've even seen is, um, and I, oh my gosh, I struggled with this so bad. Um, they don't emphasize personal care. And so what I mean by that is, um, you know, a lot of the, the entrepreneurs who are under the six figure mark, um, a lot of them really try to build their life around their business and not the other way around. And I know this is preached all the time, but, um, when I really started to work with the seven and eight figure business owners, what I realized is a lot of them had really, really strong containers. Um, and I don't mean boundaries. I just mean containers. They set expectations and they never stepped out of those expectations. They also created expectations for their teams and their work relationships. And they also spent a ton of time um, putting their life first and building their business around their life. Um, and that's one of the biggest things that I've seen is that they, you know, that mindset of I have to hustle, that's just, it's not there in the seven or eight figure um, entrepreneurs. And I think, you know, it is uncommon 
um, especially in the online industry to see that because we're, we're told, you know, you just have to work harder and this is your one funnel away and your, your next step, you know, like all of these things. And even that, like, you know, you're one step away from this. When do you know, like, when is enough enough, right? Mm-hmm. Like, when yep. are you actually going to get to that next thing? And that was one of the biggest things that I really started to see um, is that they really set these strong containers and they spent a lot more time on them. Um, and that also one thing I will say too, that I've started to implement myself. that has been so game changer is they actually spent a lot of time in stillness, not meditation. I mean, they did meditate as well, but when I say stillness, they legit sat in stillness, no phone, no paper, no nothing. They just sat with their thoughts for 45 minutes to an hour every single day Hmm. in stillness and just let their mind just be still. And that brings so much clarity Um, And I was like, oh my gosh, there is no way that I could do that. There's no way I could just sit still for 45 minutes and not do anything. And that is something that I actually started to challenge myself on. And I do that every day now. I go and sit for, I do it for 40 minutes. Uh, No phone, no paper, no nothing, no meditation, no anything. I just legit sit in a chair, look at the wall and just sit for 40 minutes. And it's amazing what happens. Your brain just starts to, it goes wild at first and then it just starts to get really still and really calm and the best ideas come to you. So much clarity comes to you. And you know, that's something I see a ton of the seven, eight figure business owners do that. Not a lot of the, the six or multi six level ones do. Hmm. That's fascinating. Mm-hmm. Uh, meditation is part of my practice and um, it, it's definitely helps. I mean, I have a better day when I open my day with meditation, but the, the stillness component, I can totally see that. I mean, sometimes you just need to pause, but having, making it part of an everyday practice is fascinating to me. It's crazy, but you know, I I love the meditation too. And like, I'll do breath work and meditation as well, but you know, going into a meditation practice or a breath work um, session, you are going into it with the, okay, I have to get this done. So it's almost like another checklist item. Like, okay, this is, this is the plan. But when you sit in that ambiguity, (laughs) when you sit in that moment of, I have nothing planned for this moment, but just to sit, it is so crazy what happens with your brain because you're not giving your brain something to do. And so it just starts to go wild. And then it's like, oh, this actually feels really nice because you never do this. Right. So yeah, it is. It's very different from the meditation. Um, I still do meditation as well, but it is still very different. And it's just, it's been game changer. I highly, highly uh, challenge you to do it. (laughs) I'm definitely going to give it a go. All right. This is a great time to pause for a quick message from our sponsor. Social Capital is sponsored by Keystone Click. Located in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, Keystone Click is a strategic digital marketing agency focused on helping their clients generate and nurture opportunities online. For Social Capital listeners, they've created an awesome Guide to Profits booklet featuring 42 tips on how to build brand awareness, generate leads, and nurture those opportunities online. Visit keystoneclick.com backslash profits to download your own guide today. Ashley May, this show is all about networking. My goal is to help alleviate any fears, hesitations, uncertainty that individuals may have, our listeners may have. So I'm hoping you can help me with that by sharing with our listeners one of your most successful or favorite networking experiences that you've had. Mm, Yes, Um, I'm actually going to (laughs) do, I'm going to tell a story um, about 
just being 100% yourself and not, you know, caring or not, you know, being there to prove anything. Um, I actually went to actually was invited to speak at an event and um, there were very, uh, very high level entrepreneurs in this, in the audience. And um, I got on stage and I, I want to say this because yeah, it was, a, it is about networking, but I think what hangs all of us up when it comes to networking is that, okay, what are they going to think about me? Or I feel kind of awkward in this situation or, you know, all that. And so anyways, I got on stage and the first thing I said was, guys, I'm just going to be dead honest with you. I'm sweating like a pig. Um, I don't even know if pigs sweat, but I'm sweating like a pig and I'm incredibly nervous to be on this stage. Um, so I just wanted to let you guys know, because it is it's very, you know, it's very nervous to be up here and it's very vulnerable to be up here and to speak and have everyone staring at you. And I think, um, you know, as soon as I did that, the entire room was just like, oh, like you could just kind of feel the tension. You could feel the like relief across the room. Mm -hmm. And I tell you that because I've used that now in every single networking event that I've been to. The first thing I say to someone is like, Hey, I am incredibly intimidated to be here because I know that there are so many more, so much more successful people here than me. Um, but it is really nice to meet you. And just immediately telling yourself and letting them know, it, it almost puts the pressure off of them too, because they're most likely feeling the same way. And it mm -hmm. just creates this bond. Um, and then what end, ended up happening, like when I now do this, it'll, they'll say, oh my gosh, have you met Ashley May yet? Have you met her? Oh my, she is just so awesome mm -hmm. because I immediately set that connection. Um, and I also use a lot of humor. I know this is, this is actually just something I've learned with my child um, that, you know, to connect with your child is to, to never make them wrong, like never make someone wrong for thinking something or doing something and always kind of throw in like a little bit of playfulness or silliness. And I, I like to use the example of like, let's say my daughter doesn't want to go to bed and she's really upset and she doesn't want to have a three-year-old. <laughs> she doesn't want to go to bed. Yeah. I'll say, oh my gosh, well, what would happen? Uh, what would happen if we just never went to bed? Oh my gosh. Do you think that, that like we would just get so tired that we would just fall on the floor and maybe act like dolphins? And I just say something totally silly, right? But throwing that, that playfulness and that silliness in there immediately draws this connection. Um, and the one way I do that <laughs> in uh, networking events that ties back to my brand is my, um, my brand, my whole brand is built around farts. I'm not even joking. My podcast mm -hmm. is no farting around. I talk about industry disruptors making a big stink in their industry. Like I, my whole Love entire it. brand is around <laughs> farts. I know. And it's, it's funny because people are like, what? And so a lot of the times when I go to these uh, networking events, I'll immediately say like, oh, I'm Ashley Fernandez. Um, one thing you should know about me is I think farts are funny. Everyone thinks farts are funny. And that's why I created my entire brand around farts. And even now when I speak, I always tell a fart story. Like I literally, it doesn't matter what it is. I'll tell a fart story. And at the very end, I'll say, there was absolutely no reason why I told that story, except to prove that it doesn't matter how much money you make, how old you are. We all think farts are funny. And then people immediately, just the tension is completely released and everyone just is like, oh my gosh. And they just feel so much more connected to me because I've added in some type of humor. And I have just been 100% vulnerable and real of like, I'm nervous as I'll get out here. And I just wanted you to know that. And I, I think that's one of the most successful tips I have for networking. Um, you immediately stand out in a room because you are building that playful connection. And um, 
you're just, yeah, you're letting people know that I feel very much the same you did. I'm addressing the, the elephant in the room. Yeah, I think that's great. Um, kind of ties in a little bit to my next question, which is what advice would you offer that business professional who is looking to grow their network? And I, I like that advice of just kind of ease attention a little bit. Yes. You know, and it, it's interesting because I actually had a coach one time tell me, she said, um, I went to a networking event and the person, the speaker asked everyone, raise your hand in the room if you're here to sell something. And she said, everyone raised their hand mm-hmm. in the room, right? And then she said, now raise your hand if you're here to buy something. And she said, only like two people raised their hand. And she goes, I want you to take this moment to learn that when you approach a situation, with a place of an agenda to sell, you're making it about you. You're not making it about the person you're networking with. And how, I mean, do you want to be in a friendship where it's always take, take, take? Mm-hmm. No. Yeah. And that's always stood out to me. And so now, even when I go to networking events, I never talk about my offer. Even if someone was like, oh my gosh, I'd love to work with you. How can I offer? I say, you know what, here is, um, let me send you a link to my calendar. Let's connect on Facebook. Let's connect on LinkedIn. Let me send you a link to my calendar and we'll just jump on a call because I really truly want to make sure that you have a chance to meet everyone that you need to meet here. And um, there's another time for that. I love that. Which is so different than everyone else when they network because it is immediately like how can I sell them how can I get clients out of this and I don't ever approach a networking event that way I'm Mm -hmm. legit there to say who can I connect with and how can I bring value to them at this at this event without expecting anything in return and that goes back to the the whole I don't believe serving is selling yep because I do go into it with a servant's heart and it eventually leads to sales sometimes right or even just amazing relationships that lead to referrals but I don't ever go into it with that intention yeah fascinating um I'm going to give you the opportunity to interview me I know that um I actually am going to be interviewed on your show soon but (laughs) within my show I'm going to give you the opportunity to ask me one question so what is something you'd like to ask me oh Lori (laughs) You know, what's really funny. I was on a podcast a couple weeks ago. Well, well, I wasn't on the podcast. I was interviewing someone online and we were talking about what was the, like, what are some podcast growing tactics or what are some of the creative things you've seen on podcasts? And he said, when the, when the person turned around and asked me, well, do you have a question for me? And he goes, and I thought it was so creative and it is so, and I was like, oh my gosh, that's really good. And then here you are doing it to me. And I'm like laughing. So I'm like, oh my gosh, here it is. Maybe you were the person. I don't know. Uh, maybe. Um, I don't, who knows? <laughs> <laughs> you might've been. So hmm, this is, this is a question I love. I love to um, just ask people in general. And it is, if you could tattoo one thing on someone's soul what would it be oh Troy that's so deep um the first thing that came to my head is forgiveness I think so many people live in pain and resentment and there's so much negativity in the world because there's a lack of forgiveness Mm, I love that. I think on the, to even on that note, forgiveness. Um, I think a lot of the times to forgiveness for ourselves. So I love that, that you said that, because I think a lot of the times we, we don't really forgive ourselves mm-hmm. in things as well mm-hmm. as others. So I love that you said that. That's a really great. That's a great question. That's, great. 
Mm-hmm. I just, in the first, that was the first word that popped in my head. I'm like, I'm just going to go with it. <laughs> and that's what I love. I love that because again, I'm all about teaching people how to think. And so when you ask questions where people are like, oh, and it's immediate kind of gut response. Um, I love that because, you know, I could have asked you, well, what's your favorite book you've ever read, right? Sure. <laughs> which yeah, is yeah. not really to you. So yeah, it's a great yeah. question. I love to ask. Thank you. All right. Uh, Ashley, any final word or advice off our listeners with regards to growing and supporting your network? I just would say just go out there when you're in networking and really truly make it about relationships without an agenda or relationships without anything in return. Um, I think, you know, that is just the biggest part when it comes to networking um, Mm -hmm. and not really, not really approaching it with a, I'm here to make money or I'm here to grow my audience or my clients. It is truly about relationships at the end of the day. And um, again, like I said, your marketing, your messaging, the way you do one thing is the way you do all things. Yep. And I really like to say that. And so, you know, when you approach it with that mindset of, I really truly am here to serve someone, um, I think that just everything shifts and it's, and it really shows because you can truly tell the people on the online space who are there to serve and who mm-hmm. are the ones who are there with an agenda. Sure. A hundred percent agree with that. Um, so if anyone was interested in getting in contact with you, what is the best way they can reach you? Yes. So I am also on LinkedIn. I actually just joined uh, link. Well, not that I didn't join, I've been on it forever, but I just never really utilized it. <laughs> and every single person I meet is like, why are you not using LinkedIn? Why are you not using LinkedIn? Uh-huh. I, I don't know. So I, I just now kind of revamped my whole profile and, and all that stuff. So I am on LinkedIn, um, Ashley Fernandez. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram, all Ashley Fernandez on, on all the platforms. Um, and you can add me there. I would you know love to connect with you. Um, even if, or if you have any just specific questions, you can totally email me too. It's just Ashley May at AshleyMayFernandez.com. Um, I would be so happy to answer any questions that anyone has, or again, just even to connect. Um, because yeah, that's it. Love it. That's okay. Well, we'll <laughs> absolutely. We'll include all that information in our show notes. Thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you so much for having me. And I also just want to thank you um, because I don't say this enough to people who really challenge and I just love people who are challenging and you know, the fact that you challenge, you're like, I'm going to have to disagree with you with that. I like <laughs> want to thank you for that because I really truly do because as someone who's very strong in opinions and also loves to challenge, I love to meet other women um, or just entrepreneurs in general who do speak up and challenge when they don't agree with something. And like, I love meeting other people like that. And, and again, I'm open-minded to, okay, if you don't agree with me, that's totally fine. Agree, a disagreement is the best agreement. Um, but I, I just want to thank you for that and being, being, you know, the type of person to really, truly stand up. I think that just speaks a lot to your character. And I'm really happy uh, that you did that. Like, I'm very oh, thankful. Thank you. <laughs> well, when I'm on your show, I'm sure we'll have a good conversation. Either oh, way. Yes, that's okay. <laughs> you, you, you bring the challenge or energy to oh, my show for too. Sure. I would be, I would love it. Those are my favorite <laughs> types of conversations because they make you think and they look at different perspectives and love it. Super cool. All right. Well, yep. This wraps it up. I appreciate your insights, your kind words. Um, A huge thank you to Ashley May for taking the time to connect with us. As mentioned before, connect with me, connect with Ashley May on LinkedIn. I'm looking forward to hearing from you shortly. And everyone, I hope you have an amazing day. 
That's all for this episode of the Social Capital Podcast. Visit socialcapitalpodcast.com for show notes, more episodes, and to see who will be on the show next. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next episode.